What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. It is Saturday with Smoltz Day. I am set to be joined by Atlanta Braves Hall of Famer John Smoltz, as we are every single week, which is still really awesome to be able to say. This week got some really good stuff. We've asked him about a couple of hitters over the last couple of weeks, and Juan Soto and Julio, and what he sees and how they can turn him around. And both of them have really started the process of turning it around. But obviously, John is a pitcher. So I want to start asking him about some pitchers as well. And starting with Max Scherzer this week, uh, what he's seen from him, a bit of a slow start to the year, but picked it up. And also going to talk a bit about the Mets as well. Uh, the Orioles. The Orioles are the second best team in baseball, and they're rolling. Are the Orioles the real deal? Can they make the playoffs with what they currently have? We'll talk to Smoltz about that. The Aaron Judge situation last week where he's peeking at signs. Going to ask him if he ever saw some situations where you could tell batters were looking at signs in the dugout or at the catcher as well. And obviously, lastly, Deion Sanders. The story I always get from Smoltz this week, I got to go with Deion Sanders, one of the greatest two-sport athletes of all time. They played together at the height of him doing what he was doing, playing football and baseball at the same time. So this one is going to be a blast of a conversation. Without further ado, let's get to Hall of Famer John Smoltz. It's a blowout, 8th inning, 10-3. Bases are loaded for Verlander, who waits out of the real swings and it's a high fly ball deep center field it is gone home run and a huge bat flip to celebrate all right ben start the show already all right i'm pumped to be joined now as always weekly by john smoltz john how are you this week doing great on a little vacation you know a little family vacation That's but right. doing great you had your picturesque backdrop up there. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. <laughs> hey, so we've been a couple weeks in a row. I've asked you about a hitter. We went Juan Soto and then Julio. And honestly, you know, whether it's you or not, they've both kind of turned it around after we've talked. But I've gotten a lot of good feedback there. And also, same feedback was, I'd love to hear about a pitcher. So I want to ask you about Max Scherzer, because so far this year, Max Scherzer was not great velo way down and then was out for a little bit and came back and had a really good start his last start so through the first about quarter of the season what have you seen from one of the co-aces up there in queens and max scherzer well the biggest thing is uh you you got to get in rhythm for any great pitcher it takes a little while sometimes no matter how many years you've been in the league and he got out of rhythm he got that 10 game suspension then he had a little bit of a neck problem and so when you're rolling every five days and you get in that rhythm as a starting pitcher, especially these two veterans, uh, you know, with Verlander and, and Scherzer, they're going to they're gonna click. And it, it looks like they may be clicking right now in the sense that they feed off of each other. But, but look, starting pitching is all about continuity, about routine, and sometimes a rain delay, sometimes a rain out messes it up. But look, there's high expectations in, in New York. And so they're up to it. They're, there's, it's only a matter of time. It, it would be one thing if, if, you know, they were constantly pitching through injuries. But you're going to have that from time to time. And these two, I still would bet my money on these two getting going in about a four or five start run. Are the Mets back? They are back. I thought that win they had in that crazy win, sometimes you look back and you go, okay, they uh, hit two big home runs to come back twice. Yeah. I think it was a 10 to 9 game. And that's sometimes all it takes. They've had some trouble scoring runs. 
But when you win games like that, all of a sudden you start feeling like, okay, we're supposed to win these games. And when we get rolling and shake hands and get in a rhythm, I mean, scheduling is so huge. I'm telling you, the narrative of, of 2023 is going to be schedule. When and who you play in those groups of teams that are not very good right now, you can jump. I mean, it's like shoots and ladders. You're going to be at the bottom, you'll be at the top, and you'll be at the top, you'll be at the bottom. It really is that simple this year because of the balanced schedule and the way certain teams started the year. And look, let's be honest, they're not even trying to compete. They're trying to rebuild. And there's some really bottom feed yeah. teams that you can you can make hay against. And that's not putting a slight against those teams. It's just facts. They're just going to have – Oakland's going to struggle to win 50, 60 games this year. And they're trying to build something. Same can be said in the National League for some teams. So when you get that schedule right, and even though the Mets didn't take care of it early, you know, they, they, they played a soft schedule and that's where everyone was concerned. They're going to be fine. It's going to be the same three teams. And now you throw in Miami in that East. It's going to be a really tight division all the way through. Nobody exactly knows what the A's are trying to build just yet, but that's a different conversation for yeah. a different day. Uh, speaking of scheduling, uh, the Baltimore Orioles are in what is the best division in baseball. And honestly, the best division we've seen in baseball in a long time. But still, they are the second best team in baseball. They've had the second best record behind the Rays for a while now. What are you seeing from this Orioles team? And do you believe they have a chance to win the AL East? I think they have a chance to do a lot of things. Uh, winning the AL East would still be a huge – that would be a huge accomplishment. I think they have a great chance of competing in the in the postseason. Last year they played well down the stretch. I think the Baltimore Orioles are taking advantage of the new rules, and they're set up to take advantage of the new rules. They run, they hit, and they've got a really deep bullpen in the back end of the bullpen that if they stay healthy and fresh – they're going to compete with the big boys. I don't think you can look at Baltimore anyway the same way anymore. I mean, it was a good story two two was it two years ago where they kind of put the streak together. They're legit and they're going to compete. And you look at the American League balance; it's all in one division, and the Central is is definitely the weaker division in the American League. So there could very easily be two to three teams that come out of that division looking to make the playoffs. Uh, the West has a couple strong teams that'll be vying for that extra spot too. Do you think they can? Uh, I agree with you. I think they're a great team, and I've talked a good bit about them this year. Uh, but do you think they could do something and, and get into the playoffs with the current way that their starting rotation is set up? Or do you think this Orioles team needs to go all in at the trade deadline and inquire an arm or two? I think they got to have two eyes going one at one. What you just said, can we pull the trigger to make a definitive move and set ourselves apart? Look, they're looking at everything this year, I think, as a bonus, because, you know, not not many people predicted the Baltimore Orioles to be relevant this far into the season. I thought they I think everyone felt they were going to be a really quality baseball team. But the way the Rays started and the way that the baseball kind of kicked off, they have the opportunity to make a great move that no one would have seen coming come All-Star break. And I think if they're right in the mix, they'll do that. Well, I guess that's another question I would want to ask you here is that at what point, because I watched this team and that stretch they went on to end last year, like the second half of the year, really the day Adley Rutschman came up from then on, they were one of the best teams in the game of baseball. They didn't do much in the off season because they said, well, we might have been a little too early on our run. We're not, we're not ready yet. Now this year, 
It's more of the exact same we saw last year. They're one of the best teams in baseball to start the season. So at what point does this front office, it seems like you and me and Orioles fans can all say, well, it's time to buy in. But at what point does this front office just say, we're the real deal right now. We were wrong on our scheduling. It's happening a little earlier than we thought. We need to buy in. Yeah, those are tough decisions that the management, I'm sure, when they got a game plan. That's why I don't like game plans playing out like a, a futuristic thing. And in two years, we'll be ready. You don't know that. You, you might be ready right now. And those opportunities yeah. don't come around. You know, I always felt as players, we had to put the most pressure we could on the management to do those things that the fan base is fired up to want to see. If you want to fire up your fan base, if you want to get your stadium full, that's how you do it. And you make those moves that um, don't they don't mortgage the farm system, but they're good enough to get you to the next level because we've already seen last year what can happen when you get in the tournament. The Philadelphia Phillies were not picked to go to the World Series. I can guarantee you that. And yet they were a couple games away from winning it all. So it is a strange uh, game that we play. It is a long 162 games. But if you're in the mix after 125 of those games, you're legit. That's not a fluke. Yeah. If you're in the mix after 25, 30, eh. But when you're when you're over that all-star break number and you're closing in on 100 games and you're still in the position they are, I would put, think it would be a lot of pressure to make a move. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, John, sticking in the AL East, the, the, the world was kind of taken by storm last week when uh, Aaron Judge was caught on camera peeking at the dugout and the baseball world just didn't really know how to handle it. And a lot of people – and a lot of people don't really understand how prominent in baseball forever it has been to try and find signs any way possible. Your teammates pick up on something. Well, because technology now is right up in people's faces. So they see Aaron judge looking at the dugout, but so for you in your career, was there ever times where you were literally able to see the batter trying to gain an advantage in some way? Not so much from the mound. You rely on your catcher. Uh, and obviously you can rely on technology after the fact and the inning is over. You can get somebody watching the game uh, charting like we did. In that situation, having seen what I saw, not knowing the backdrop, it sure looks like he was looking either to the first base coach. It wasn't like he was looking at the catcher. No. So if the pitcher was given something away that was being relayed by the pitch, by the by first base coach or the dugout, kind of on the pitcher, right? I mean, it's kind of on that situation. But it's one thing if you're looking back to the catcher, that's that's where you cross the line a little bit. And I think usually the game always had a way to work that thing out so that the, that little peekaboo, you know, guys used to wear glasses at the plate so you couldn't see their eyes. But that was strange because you could definitely see he was looking not to the catcher, not to the pitcher, off to the right. And, and, and the pitcher, I think afterwards, you know, adequately said he was tipping pitches and, you know, he had to fix it. Yeah, he said he comes out and says he was tipping pitches. I think everybody – thought he was tipping based off of judge's reaction and then in the locker room after he said he was just keeping an eye on some unruly teammates which was just a hysterical response to everything i don't think that was the case <laughs> yeah I, I i think we know there are some certain answers to certain questions that uh typically may not fit the, the question <laughs> and and that might have been one of them so john in the game right now we are seeing one of the greatest two-way athletes two you know, um, the dual athletes of all time, pitcher, hitter, Shohei Otani. You got to play with one of the greatest 
two sport athletes of all time. There's only a couple even in the conversation, Bo Jackson being one of them and Deion Sanders being the other. Now, I want to start with a video that I saw the other day with Dion claiming that he is by far a better fisher than you. What do you got to say about that? Uh, he's probably accurate. He did that all over this time. I mean, he he got himself kicked out of more places where you couldn't fish. <laughs> if he was driving down the road and he saw a pond, he jumped out and probably fished the pond. And we had a blast in spring training at the PGA Boulevard, uh, PGA Champ, where we, we stayed at PGA, where the, the golf course is. And... He fished them. I mean, he fished every pond. We had times where we would just have a bunch of shiners, a bunch of bobbers, and we'd go out there and fish, and he took out a lot of bass out of those ponds. So there's no doubt that Deion Sanders is a more avid fisherman than I am and probably a more accomplished one. Um, but we it didn't stop us from having competitions <laughs> at Okeechobee and uh, certainly at PGA um, in West Palm Beach. We had our, our share of fun. I think he also said he went to your pond and took all the fish out of there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that may be Dion just being Dion, but <laughs> I think uh, I think the man the man look he 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 loves what he loves what he loves, and when he loves something, he's going to excel at it at the greatest level. He's the best two. I mean, he's about the best athlete I've ever seen. It, there's no no question. Bo Jackson is obviously in that conversation. Two totally different type athletes with raw potential to play two sports in a different way and I still maintain that if Deion Sanders would have played baseball his entire career he would have been the greatest leadoff one of the greatest leadoff hitters to ever play the game because he was raw he didn't even know what he was doing he wanted to hit homers he was so fast he didn't even learn how to bunt yet and he had such a capacity to change the game uh he he was great for us wow so you were playing with him during the height of his time being a two-sport athlete. Were you guys teammates on the famous weekend when he played in a baseball game and then flew to play in a football game? Yeah, we we got a chance to experience the greatness. That was – it was jaw-dropping. I mean, he even played in the postseason. He would have been the MVP in 92. If we'd have won and beat the Blue Jays, he'd have been the MVP. That's how important he was. He's playing with a stress fracture in his foot. Um, I, I just – you, words can't describe. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of another scenario that would even be close. Um, look, it would be like me uh, playing in a major golf tournament and then flying after the major golf tournament to go pitch a game. Uh, it, 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 it's just impossible to think that someone could do this at the level that he did it. Wow, that's unbelievable. And a, as we all know, golf is equally as physical a sport as as football as well. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe mentally. Maybe, maybe mentally for sure. John, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Until next week, my friend. You got it. Look forward to it. All right. Just wanted to thank John again for joining me. I, honestly, I knew Dion was a great fisher, and I also know how competitive John Smoltz is. I did not think there was any way in which he would just admit that Dion Sanders was the better fisher than him. But first thing he said is, yeah, he's probably right. But honestly, really cool stuff to hear about Dion and the athlete he was and how he almost was MVP in 92 and the freak athlete that he is. Uh, I mean, obviously, I see it from afar, but to hear that from John Smoltz is really cool as well. The Mets stuff, him and him saying the Mets are back, that game against the Rays that kind of got them back. Really cool conversation. Always love having on John Smoltz and always really cool for me to be able to have him on this show weekly. And I really hope you all enjoy that as well, because uh, it is something that means a lot to me. And as a Braves fan and a John Smoltz fan growing up, to have him on 
Well, that is pretty cool. So I hope you all enjoyed this Saturday with Smoltz. Make sure you are all subscribed anywhere you listen to your podcast, Apple or Spotify. We're also on all social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and you can watch every single episode as well on YouTube at Flippin' Bats Pod for all of them. That does it for this Saturday episode. Until Monday, my friends, enjoy the rest of your weekend.